Welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 50 for subscribers of News of the Day for a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Brad, people are worried about you. How's it going? It's going all right. We're uh, kind of playing it by ear. And he's People my dad. don't know what's going on. My dad so broke his hip say. recently. He broke his hip recently, and he is in the hospital, and he's going through his recovery. So it's a day at a time. Right. He had surgery and he's got has frail health. Yeah. And he kind of needs 24 hour. Yeah. He needs round the clock care. So we have missed you. Cam, of course, uh, always comes in in a pinch, which we appreciate. And it is today is Share the Show Tuesday, just in time for Share the Show Tuesday, Brad, which is great. (laughs) Uh, So a few things about Share the Show Tuesday. At the end of the free 30, I will tell you some places where like-minded people are having meetups. So if you know anyone in Texas, Nebraska, Kentucky, Missouri, or Connecticut, please share this show with them. You can do it just by sending them to thepropreport.com. There's uh, our latest podcasts are always front and center on the, our website. And and the reason to share the show is that a lot of people are really sick of all the propaganda. It has never, ever, ever, in my experience, been thicker or faster uh, to the point where I cannot consume mainstream media at all right now. Not the Wall Street Journal, not the TV or anything, because it's just pure, constant, nonstop lies. It's a waste of time. I've never seen more agreement between the left and the right in my life. Exactly. Even the scandal. So this is a story I'm going to cover today about Romney and Tulsi and Tucker is about how hard they really agree. It's really about how hard they're agreeing. And that's the thing. When I hear Whoopi Goldberg and Anna Navarro agreeing so hard, they're stepping on each other. I know there's a war coming and it's serving someone's good and not mine. But anyway, it's that kind of stuff that we pull back the curtain on. That's what we're going to pull back the curtain on today. So if you know anybody who's just sick of it, ready for the scales to fall off their eyes, or just for somebody who doesn't tell, just go through the mainstream corporate talking points, we're the show. And please share the show on social media or with somebody you know who's ready for it. So the first story today is... Uh, a follow-up on yesterday's story. I think it might have been the deepest dive, but um, yeah, I think so. It was the story of a bomb that went off in Mariupol, I believe it was. And so, yeah, last week, I don't know if you remember this, Binkley, I think that you were here, there was a a bomb supposedly went off, Russia dropped a bomb in a maternity hospital. Remember that story? Yeah, I've heard a lot about maternity hospitals. Yes, it's a maternity hospital. And they said that they're targeting civilians, yada, yada. But Sergei Lavrov said, he's the foreign minister of Russia, said that he had submitted to the UN evidence that that maternity hospital had been cleared out by the Azov battalion. So there were no women or babies in there. It was taken over by a battalion. And I've heard that that's not an unusual thing to do. It kind of gives you cover or you're near it. And it's almost like holding a baby in front of you when you think you're under attack by a sniper. You know, you're just, you're doing it to take cover. Now, I don't think that it was next to the maternity hospital. They did clear those people out. But Lavrov said these were the Azov battalion, which is that neo-Nazi battalion that's used against the Eastern Ukraine because they couldn't get regular Ukrainians to fight them. So they established in May 2014 this Azov Battalion. And 
the Russians bombed it because that it was them. It was a it was a headquarters for forward operations against the eastern Ukrainians, which is one of the big reasons Russia is there is to save the eastern Ukrainians from the coup installed government in Kiev. So I think as a retaliation for that, uh, I believe it was the Azov Battalion with the consent of the Kiev government through dropped a cluster bomb onto Donetsk city center, which is a Donbass city, probably the capital of Donbass or the capital of one of the oblasts in Donbass. And Russia shot it down. They shot it down so that the payload did not detonate above the city where it would have done the most damage. It kind of just dropped to the ground and then detonated. And it still killed 20 people and injured 35. But the thing is, it was a cluster bomb. And I have since yesterday figured out what that is, found out what that is. So if you see a bomb, you see the shell, which is what you see in the pictures of that bombing. And the it, it's horrific. The pictures, the videos, you can tell the difference between that and a false flag just by watching it. But you can also do research if you need verification of what's really happening there and you can find some backup for that the you see the shell on the ground what you don't see is the warhead which is that triangular thing usually painted red or whatever on the top and then inside that warhead is uh the payload and the payload can be anything it can be a nuke it can be something big um or it can be this cluster bomb, which is a bunch of tiny bombs that go off and spread in different directions and shoot shrapnel, almost like a hollow bullet type thing, where it's designed to kill people, to hurt people. It doesn't actually hurt a hard target the way it hurts people. Now, a big bomb would be for precision striking of a hard target. So a big um, payload. So the fact that it was a cluster bomb meant it was meant to hurt civilians. And because it was shot down by the Russians, this damage done was actually limited. But it's horrible, horrible. It's in yesterday's show notes. I really do not recommend people go look at that, but it's truly horrible. And um, now I understand that it would have been even worse if Russia didn't shoot it down. But I feel like that was retaliation by the Azov Battalion for Russia's hit on their headquarters, which was formerly a maternity hospital. It's difficult to determine what's real and what's not in all of this. I'm not saying the bombing or anything is not real, but who's responsible and what's inside. And- well, I'll tell you, uh, the Russians are pretty straightforward about it, and they try to dot their I's and cross their T's, so they submit to the U.N., this evidence. So like the bioweapons labs, which is a story I'm going to get to next, they say that on their Ministry of Defense is the documentary evidence of what's happening in the bio labs. And they submit it to the UN. They present it in front of this UN. I put that in the show notes. So you can just throw up your hands and say it's impossible to discern. But I wouldn't do that until really giving it your all to try to discern. And if you look at the pictures, Cam mentioned this yesterday and had the same reaction. When you see the pictures of the Donetsk bombing, Versus something like the Boston Marathon bombing. I mean, the graphic nature of it, the, I mean, you, you have to trust your instincts sometimes on this stuff, but it's, it's very distinct from stuff that I've seen that's been fake. It's like when you watch beheadings out of the Middle East, the ones that we're told ISIS does that I look, I think are staged don't compare to the truly I mean, you want to vomit when you see a real one. It's disgusting, sick, and, I mean, horrible. So I just feel like there, you, there, is, there is 
room for discernment and there's also room for evidence to be evaluated which you don't usually get from the West. Right. And that's why they put all that propaganda out to fog up that evidence that people can actually look at to make it hard to determine. It all reminds me of the Bryce report from World War One, where it was the Committee on Alleged German Outrages that many of them were proven to be made up stories and to bait us into the war. Of course, you go to Wikipedia now and they've kind of rewritten history on that a little bit. They talk about it very differently than they talked about it in the books written shortly after the war and the years after the war. A lot of it's from that book, Falsehood in War Times. A lot of those Mm. were discovered where all these stories that, not not the one you're talking about, but a lot of the stories that have been proven to be false are put out. And yet now they're telling us that it's okay. It's virtuous to put out false stories if it's telling what we say the greater truth is. In that same vein, a story here about how Russian internet users are getting around the bans that Putin has put on letting information come into Russia because Putin had put a ban on Facebook and Twitter and now they're proposing a ban on Instagram in order to prevent information coming from the West that they call fake news or they call disinformation and propaganda about the war in Ukraine. They say that Russian internet users are now getting around those restrictions by using VPNs and encrypted <laughs> messaging apps nice. like Signal, Signal being the biggest one being used now by wow. Russians over there to get information from us, to get propaganda that is wow. being spread from That's our side. Because right. the si- Signal is one that people do like, like Gabriel Custodiet, I believe, recommended Signal. And actually, I'm at the point where I'm going to get a VPN just so I can act like I'm in a different country and get some real news. Yeah, and that's how they say get around it, because you're going to appear to be in a different country. Another tool that is being used and even promoted by CNN is Tor, the Tor browser. This promotion (laughs) of these tools further makes me feel there are feds in them, or they are honey honey pots, honey traps, whatever you want to call them, and Telegram also being used over there. And digital rights experts, this made me laugh out loud when I read this, digital rights experts say Putin may have inadvertently sparked a massive permanent shift in digital literacy in Russia that will work against the regime for years. And of course, this shift being they found a way to still get access to propaganda coming from (laughs) the West, as well as probably propaganda coming from Russia as well. Oh, that's so interesting. That goes to my next story because about Tucker Carlson. Remind me to talk about um, infiltrating Russia with propaganda. Yeah. And another story on the NATO, Russia, Ukraine, whatever front is that the tennis player, his name is Daniel Medvedev. He is going to have to denounce Vladimir Putin in order to play at Wimbledon. (laughs) He has to have like a loyalty oath. Yeah. The head of. Or disloyalty oath. Yeah. They put out, they say many countries have agreed that they will not allow representation representatives from Russia to compete and then they're also how did he phrase it they oh they're also saying we need some potential assurances that they are not supporters of Putin and we are considering what requirements we may need to try and get some assurances along those lines so we're at a point where you have to openly state your opposition to Putin in order to play professional tennis this gets back to what we've seen for the past few years here in America where either you openly state that you hate Trump or you are a Nazi. This is kind of that sentiment that the media has projected over here. 
Interesting. So, yeah, so this all goes to my story about the, like, this is another follow-up from yesterday, this Tulsi Gabbard-Tucker-Carlson dust-up, which I just kind of, you know, mentioned in passing yesterday. I didn't realize how big an operation it is, how many elements are to it, and what it might be for. So, but before I get to that, let me tell you uh, that Tucker Carlson, who features in this story, his father was the head of the Voice of America for the last, I think, six years of the Cold War. And that Voice of America was meant to broadcast propaganda into Russia, if you know, behind the Iron Curtain. My father was a fan of it, but now that I think about it, you know, it, it's only good if it's good. Right. And that's what these apps are being used for. That's interesting. Yeah. And, and listen to the story about what happened with Tucker. So the, so Tucker, uh, t- let's start with the Tulsi Gabbard piece of it. T- Tulsi Gabbard, all she did, supposedly, according to her, I mean, I, I couldn't possibly track down every back and forth, but Tulsi urged caution and a ceasefire because of dangerous biolabs in Ukraine. Now, Romney accused her of treason for parroting Russian talking points. Now, Russia said they were bioweapons labs and not just biolabs. So now Tucker later conflated the biolab with the bioweapon talking point, but basically Tulsi stuck with biolabs. And, uh, Russia allegedly, so this is what they have against Tucker, is that Russia allegedly put Tucker Carlson's stuff on their channels, which I was thinking, is that like aiding and abetting the enemy like Jane Fonda? Like that's when they're starting to say like this stuff is um, treasonous. And uh, The View called for an investigation, like a Department of Justice-style task force like they're using for Russian oligarchs against Tulsi and Tucker. I think Keith Olbermann might have asked for an arrest. Um, I I have his quote here somewhere. That's great. When I hear The View has called for an investigation. Well, then I looked into who this person is, Anna Navarro. Yeah. She and her husband, I don't know if you know about this guy, I think his name is... um, Al Cardenas, maybe? They're super deep state Republican type. She's Nicaraguan, but from a wealthy family that came over here during all that. He's Cuban. And they're tight, apparently, or they seem like it, not only with the Republicans generally, but with like Reagan or the Reagan legacy and the Bushes for sure. And she's obviously deep state. I believe she's a lawyer. Anyway, so she said... I think the DOJ, like the task force to investigate the oligarchs, should look into people who are Russian propagandists shilling for Putin. I mean, why are we even giving Tulsi oxygen? She's not in Congress. She's a failed presidential candidate. She only exists on Twitter. Like, it's just an ad hominem attack. Pathetic. So she says, but we have to call this out. And whoopee, whoopee chiming in as the the liberal (laughs) voice of the opposition says they used to arrest people for this. There's a recipe for this. If they thought you were colluding with a Russian agent or if they thought you were putting out information or handing information to Russia. uh, But now there are no bars, no bars. People aren't being told to hate Putin either. They don't need a reason to hate Putin. It's pretty much clear. He started a war that nobody wanted. So 
This is their back and forth. When they're agreeing on the view about more war, you've got to realize this is pure propaganda. And when you remember what happened to Sharon Osbourne, they set her up. They asked one of the hosts to read some BS thing at her. And and the other one did it because the first one wouldn't. They were setting her up. They were setting up a narrative. It was highly choreographed, scripted. That's how this works. This is all like simple, pure propaganda. Then, of course, Keith Olbermann comes in. Over the top. They are Russian assets and there is a war. There's a case for detaining them militarily. This is hilarious. Trials are a sign of good faith and patience on the part of democracy. Hats up to Cam for sending us that stuff. A Russian asset is is a, like someone who works for the Russians, not an asset to Russia. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's what he used to do all the time. He used to make these videos on YouTube. I can't remember what he called it. It was a five-minute video that he made like once a week while Trump was president. And in nearly every single one of them, he accused someone of being a Russian asset in a very angry, just really intense type way every single time. And it kind of loses power when he makes that accusation every time. Yeah. And actually, I remember during those times, I was saying they're just ginning up the liberals for, for a war with Russia. Yeah. Remember? Yeah. So, by the way, The View, when I was looking up who is this chick, Anna Navarro, The View, I found on IMDb that there is a 2.5 out of 10 on IMDb. It's a great it, score. At 7,000 reviews. Wow. It's been there for 25 years. So that's that's a sign of pure propaganda. Yeah, it's right? still like, nobody around likes nobody it. likes it. Yeah, nobody yeah. likes it. So, you know, it's not like Law and Order where it was around for 25 years because people liked it or The Simpsons where people liked it. So anyway, um, so yeah, that's Tulsi- a good point. Actually, I don't yeah. mean to interrupt. That's a good yeah, point go because it probably is getting the most attention from right wing outlets talking about what was said. As yes. opposed to people actually yes. watching it. So true, because when I was reading these things and I was shocked and like, can you believe what we said that it, in my mind? I was like, crap, like Tucker came back that night and said, Oh, they used to arrest people for stuff like this? You're right. It, he, they absolutely were feeding Tucker lines. Like, it's just pure dialectics or whatever it is that we call dialectics. Okay, so Tulsi also, like, I, in my opinion, Tulsi is just covering this whole thing up because she's insisting that these are um, biological labs studying pathogens from the Soviet era. And that what we really need is to shut them down, have a ceasefire, make sure that they're destroyed. And that serves a lot of purposes, which is, first of all, Russia saying they're bioweapons labs and there are 30 of them. And she admits there are 25 of them. You don't need 25 labs to study Soviet era pathogens that can't have emerged anymore in the 35 years since Soviet Union is gone. And they're working on anthrax and stuff. This is admitted by the Pentagon that they, that this was these were medical labs, but they were working on bioweapons and they're they're blaming the USSR for it. It's ridiculous. And that's the question I would have is what is the difference between a biolab and a bioweapons lab? At what point does one transform into the other or can one always yeah, be the other? They explain it. They they say the Pentagon says they they study them to make vaccines, which I've always thought was a cover, like when they were doing gain of function research on smallpox. So they say that the bioweapons labs are 
for developing va- biomedical labs are for developing vaccines. So they're allowed to have anthrax there. But when they try to figure out how to use them against other people, that's when they're bioweapons labs. And we don't do that. Now, the Russians say that they have proof of it, which they've published on the Ministry of Defense. But I didn't even look too hard for it because I don't think it's in English, but it might be. But it's probably in Ukrainian. So she is actually supporting the official narrative exactly. And so is the Defense Department. Um, okay, so also she's calling for this ceasefire, which only the Russians can effect. So why is she saying it to us at all? And if she can't get her ceasefire, is she going to ask for a no-fly zone, which is actually an escalation where you shoot everything down that goes over the country. Now that's an escalation. So is she offering a stepping stone for that escalation? And the other thing, the real kicker of what she's doing I should have saved this for the deepest dive of the day because it kind of is. She's asking for the pathogens to be destroyed. Now, what Russia is saying is our evidence that this is in complete violation of our bioweapons protocols and treaties is that they're destroying them. And we don't want them to destroy them because we want to prove what they're up to. So isn't it funny that everything that Tulsi is saying and calling for is either supporting the official narrative or supporting the official desires and working against Russia. And then they're masking it in this idea that these guys are committing treason. Now, the defense that Tulsi and Tucker are both offering is that they're right. What they're offering is that they're right. Now, that is an okay defense against defamation or libel or that kind of thing. But you don't need to defend yourself for free speech. It doesn't have to be true. And you shouldn't have to be able to have to prove that it's true or even claim that it's true to be able to say it. And if it's false and it causes harm, you are liable for a tort. It's not a crime. I mean, it may be a crime if it was intentional, but so there are remedies for all of this stuff. But what I don't want is for people to say that you're only entitled to free speech if you can prove you're right, because that is different. And that's not where we want to go. And of course, Ultimately, what these guys are both setting themselves up for, and I think Tulsi's recent trip to Syria, where she's now being called an Assad apologist, also contributes to this. Those guys are being set up as being the font of truth, speaking truth to power. So if there is something that they want the alt fringe on either side to support, along with the Fox and CNN people, they will call upon these guys to throw it out there. We need a no-fly zone or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. So it's the the controlled opposition, and you're right. They guys it under... It's treasonous, yet they're supporting the narrative in the same way. The whole media mainstream is supporting the same narrative while pretending to fight about, you know, it's Biden's war, not Putin's war. Biden's oil prices, not Putin's oil prices. But when it comes down to it, they're all on the same page. I think that I should count that as the deepest dive of the day. And then after the break, we get to your two stories that I completely stepped on. What do you think? We can do that. All right. That's great. So before we get to the last two stories of Binkley's that I completely stepped on, I want to tell you what we're going to talk about in the XR. A new study finds that this is good for men's masculinity and... Remember, I told you about that pre-pack of peace talks. I'm telling you, that narrative is bubbling up from all sides. I'll remind you what it is, and I'll tell you why I think it really is happening. They know the punchline in Ukraine, and it's already been 
agreed upon. I'll tell you, I'll crack the code on that in the XR. All right. So, but before we get to all that, I want to ask you to support this show. You can either subscribe for the tremendous amount. It's really double the material when you subscribe across any of our channels, Locals, Rockfin, or Patreon. But if you don't want or need double the content, just go over to our website, go to the shop tab, and buy a t-shirt or a mug, a promo mug with the propaganda report on it, or one of our fine t-shirts with the propaganda report logo that will not only support us by helping me uh, <laughs> pay for all the t-shirts that I already silkscreened, which are super extra nice in, I think, three colors and four sizes, but it also helps spread the word, propagate, if you will, the propaganda <laughs> report. So check that out at thepropreport.com. And now a word from our sponsors. I don't know who they are, but if you listen to them and play them through, they will put a few coins in the tip jar. And now on to the last two stories of Binkley's that I stepped on. Okay, well, here's a story that also relates to the NATO, Russia, Ukraine, Great Reset, whatever war that's going on right now. And that is the continuing spread of fentanyl across the United States. There was a story today about some spring breakers in Florida. I'll let you guess what county in Florida this happened in. <laughs> Fort you- Lauderdale. For Broward, Broward Yes, County. exactly. The One <laughs> of, of the false flag homes of America, Broward County. And in the story, there is a cluster of fentanyl cases that have popped up in Fort Lauderdale after 10 people at two homes were hospitalized because, they say potentially because of the drug over a three-day span. Cops found traces of the drug at both houses after some of the victims, they had respiratory failure and respiratory arrest. And this follows an incident last Thursday where four U.S. Military Academy cadets from West Point, also in Broward County, overdosed on fentanyl-laced cocaine while they were spring breaking. They were in Wilton Manors, Florida. And there's been an increase in calls like this since the beginning of the pandemic. According to the medical experts, they say that fentanyl can be detected in street drugs such as pills, marijuana, crystal meth, cocaine, just about anything, one of the investigators said. And if you look into it, China and Mexico are allegedly the primary source countries for fentanyl and fentanyl-related substances coming trafficked, trafficked directly into the United States. And It's also a talking point that has emerged that China is targeting the United States by intentionally putting fentanyl into black market products and trying to take down America in one way using fentanyl. And when you look at U.S. cadets being hit, that could be framed as an attack on the U.S. military. And the reason I bring this story is because this has already been a little bit of an underlying theme that has occasionally popped up in the media. This will continue to take on a more prominent theme in this war scenario that we're talking about because we are we have Russia. We're pitted against Russia, right? And we're, we're with Ukraine, NATO, we're against Russia, and China standing with Russia. And I'm seeing stories about how Europe is growing more skeptical about the position of China, more worried about their uh, quote-unquote neutrality, which is really them supporting Russia the way that uh, Europe and NATO and everybody frames it, and that this fentanyl thing will be another reason to pit China as the enemy 
in the the narrative of this war that is emerging worldwide, this world war that is emerging. So that's why I bring that up, because this fentanyl talking point is not going anywhere. There's actually a Brookings Institution panel on China's role in the smuggling of synthetic drugs and precursors. And the main drug they're talking about in this panel, which is next week or in two weeks, is fentanyl and fentanyl-laced drugs. You know what I really don't understand is how fentanyl can be laced in heroin and cocaine. Because heroin is a total downer and cocaine is a total upper. I just don't understand what it is about that drug that would even end up there and how it's even getting in there. I think the dealers at the retail level aren't even aware. You're probably right, because why would you put it in there? I Never. don't know. You wouldn't. It literally killed my sister from her favorite drug dealer. Yeah. Like, I'm sure he was happy to see her <laughs> at his right. doorstep after a long hiatus. They and, talk uh, about in this that, to kill her. Yeah. They talk about even touching it could cause you to have yes. a violent overreaction, just traces yeah. of it that is that well, dead. I didn't realize that things like that, we, a lot of what we have is so, is it like picturated or tinctured? I don't know what it's called, but like you have to, we get everything in such a diluted form, like even our drugs and stuff. But if you get, like there's some, some stuff I get from True Hemp Science that's like good as an antiseptic and just little things like that. But you have to put like drops in a gallon of water. You know, it's real stuff. And then I really understood that if it's in a pure enough form, I can see how like a dog sniffing it. That's what they say. The dogs will die. Yeah. Because it's so strong. And uh, wow, but I just don't understand. Because of fentanyl? Is that what you're saying? That Will kill yeah, dogs? fentanyl. Yeah. Like, I guess it is, it is, you know, and it, and it would be, if you were going to transport it across the ocean, even for legitimate purposes, you wouldn't, you would put it in its most concentrated form because that just cuts on your transportation costs. So I can see why it would exist in that form, but letting it out, that's dangerous. And on top of that, back on February 8th, Biden designated fentanyl as a weapon of mass destruction. Wow. That has chemical implications. warfare. Yeah, so that's something to 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 that's keep a an eye, spell keep eye. radar there. What is that? Causes belly. Causes belly. A cause for war. Justification. Yes. For war. Yes. Exactly. And finally, on a bit of a lighter note, the Senate has passed a bill to make daylight saving times daylight saving time. Isn't that what it is? There's no S from what I heard. Daylight saving. Oh, you don't think it's daylight savings time? Yeah, it's I think I heard that it's time? actually saving time instead of savings time. Somewhere, the article. Wow, leaves I off, never heard that, yeah, but I believe it. Leads off the S, yeah. so I believe you. Who knows? Anyway, they passed a bill to a measure that would make it permanent, and it's called the Sunshine Protection Act, co-sponsored <laughs> by Sheldon Whitehouse and Marco Rubio, and it was passed unanimously. And unanimously, yeah, unanimous consent. And which, it has to go to Congress. Yeah, it's got to go to the, the House. House after passing the Senate. And if they pass in the House and signed into law by Biden, it will mean that America will no longer have to change their clocks twice a year. So we see these passed every single wow. year at the state level. What do you Again, mean? At Georgia always passes a bill to make it permanent. So hold on a second. Would Would that mean that states were forbidden from doing it? States wouldn't want to do it. 
Yeah, that's a good question. Right now, you can't do it. There's a couple of states. Arizona that, has a carve yeah, out. Yeah, a couple of states have the carve out, but you can't change it. So that's why the bills that pass at, at the state level never matter. I and, hate it. Yeah, they need the federal legislation passed. So it's passed. permanent, meaning what just happened to us would never unhappen. Yep, it always. So we be would not fall like back this. this fall. And that's a good question. I haven't looked at the exact language of the bill. I just looked at the AP article about it. So I don't know if states would be able to choose to choose for themselves or yeah. if they would not be allowed to do it. But So that's saying that it'll be dark in the winter in the morning when I get up. Yeah, I it's guess dark so. now. But I get yeah. usually get up around six thirty. Yeah, it's yeah, I guess that would that would be the case. And I just find this interesting because people seem to hate changing their clocks. I hate it. It's so bad for you. It kills people. Well, that's what they said. They, they cited car accidents. They cited some of the negative effects as health problems. And yeah, it's bad for you. Yeah, sleep deprivation associated yeah. with it. There's always the, the bar staying open one more hour when it changes. It was ex- an exciting thing when you're in college, but it's probably yeah. not as exciting anymore. But I just find this interesting because this comes up every year. Every single year, there's a conversation about this. But this year, we're in the middle of this thing with Ukraine and Russia and all this. And there's the COVID stuff that they quietly winded down. But they're also passing some more, like Pfizer's going to be doing some more stuff, getting the second mandate. So they're all still still quietly doing some stuff. And then all of a sudden, we have this daylight savings win. This will be a win for Biden for just about everybody. And the Democrats can say, look, the Democrats finally stopped you from having to switch your clock. We did that. Biden did that. It just seems like a little bit of a Oh, like the way they loved FDR for swooping in and ending prohibition? Yeah, right. It yeah. just seems like something that they, they throw out of it because they could have done this at any point in time. Yeah, that's true. They maybe saving it. Yeah. Funny. Interesting. Saving daylight savings time. That's right. Okay. Well, I guess I'm in favor of it, but I'm I'm not sure which one I like better. Yeah, I think I'm skeptical. I like, I like, I do, you know, now that I think about it, I do like getting up at sunrise. So when they fix sunrise for me. That is convenient, but I just, I hate David Sales. This is bad for you. Okay. (laughs) So, uh, all right. So I've got a lot of stuff here in the wrap. I want to shout out James at the Blackbird podcast. We love James. He's a friend of the show. Uh, We really enjoy him. He pops up on the Zoom party. We've been on his show. He says, I'm hosting a meetup next Wednesday at 630 in Addison, Texas. So next Wednesday is the 23rd. So March 23rd in Addison, Texas, it's a purely social event. We're doing dinner and karaoke at Sidecar Social. It's on the events page at thepropreport.com. Thank you. That's fun. Uh, And you can find more info at blackbirdpodcast.com. Blackbird Podcast, is a, there's a pinned post there that's going to tell you about that meetup next week. So that's great. Absolutely love it. When friends of the show have meetups and tell us about them so that people can meet up in, in meet space. Yeah, you'll have to tell us who the person is who nonchalantly goes up there and just kills it at karaoke. There's always one person okay. who surprises you right, with James, just an amazing performance. We want to be debriefed after karaoke night. Yes. And see if so if you're great at karaoke, wear a propaganda report t shirt. So yes. represent this community as being lots of fun. And uh, but there are other places you can represent this community. There are some 
higher side chat meetups coming up. So on the 17th, which is St. Patrick's Day in Omaha at the West Lanes Bowling Center at 630. There's a meetup. Uh, There's one in Louisville, Kentucky on March 18th, which is Friday at the Gravely Brewing Company at 7 p.m. And in Kansas City, Missouri on March 19th, which is Saturday, Big Rip Brewing Company is having a meetup at 5. And then our friend from My Family Thinks I'm Crazy, Mark, uh, and his gang, as well as THC, they're having a joint meetup on March 22nd in New Haven, Connecticut. So it's a meetup and walking tour at 2.45 p.m. in the afternoon. And I think that's a Tuesday at the Book Trader Cafe. That seems like a a unique and fun event. I love that my family thinks I'm crazy, guys. They're really, really fun. Really fun to be on their show. So uh, anyway, so hope everybody, anybody in the vicinity of any of those things has some some human interaction. And I'm doing a couple of meetups in California. I'm trying to gin one up from Boston and New York because I'm making a trip back east for my son's spring break. So stay tuned for some. I may actually do four meetups in the next month. How do you like that? Awesome. I know. I'm excited. Okay. Oh, so by the way, if you're in LA and you want to meet up with me, uh, the propaganda report podcast at gmail.com, shoot me an email if you're in the LA area and I'll tell you what I'm thinking. All right. Fantastic. You guys can find your drive time news blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want access to the extra content that we post every time we post a DMV, go to Propaganda Report. Go to propagandareport.locals.com, patreon.com slash propaganda report, and rockfin.com slash propaganda report to see our various offerings on each platform. We will talk to you guys tomorrow or in the DNBXR. Have a fantastic Share the Show Tuesday.